I would like to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church today. I am Bertie Brutz and it's a privilege for me to preach the message of grace to you today. Amen. What an honor for me to be in your house. Thank you that you've slotted into this website, onto this live broadcast. And I do believe that this is just going to touch your heart, bring peace, dignity and worth into your life. Hallelujah. In Dynamic Web Church, the vision is to see as many people established in the message of grace. You know, this week that has just passed, I've just been thinking about the vision and, and my future and what I want to do in life. And I just came to this realization again. There's just one thing that's really burning in my heart, and that is to see millions of people understanding the message of grace. Amen. We will do that to the best of our ability. And uh, by the power of God, I believe we can really touch a lot of people through this. Amen. The vision is not to see how many people we can touch, but to see people being touched. And then to do it in a way that we can touch many people. Because the more people know this, the better for the, for the more. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to see, it's like Jesus said, He wants everybody to be saved. God wants all people to be saved. And that same heart is within every person that's born of God. They want to see people getting into the message of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to just read a scripture and I want to just share, in short, a little bit about the power of God and then we're going to go over into worship. And just before the worship, I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Now I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14. It speaks about the power of the gospel. You know, I've been speaking to some people about the power of the gospel and, and about grace and I've been looking at some of the lives of people that are in grace, looking at my own life, many people's lives, and, and, and just to see the effect of grace in the lives of people. And one thing that I've seen is that there's a tendency in the hearts of so many people that, uh, that says, well, you know, the message of grace is just this uh, feel-good gospel in the sense of you only feel good, but it's got no power. Now, that is not the truth. It's actually just the opposite way. If you are under the message of the law and what you must do for God, and um, you look at the lives of people that, that changed because of that, it's only the change of willpower, or change that comes forth because of willpower. The, the real change that God's looking for is the change in the heart of a man that comes by God living in you. So God's number one vision is not to change you. But what he's looking for is him living in you. And that's the power of the gospel. Amen. So I want you to know, if you've got sickness in your body, if you've got a problem in your marriage with your children, whatever need you have, whatever problem you have, I want to just say this. The gospel of grace is a power-packed gospel that can give birth to a new life you always wanted to have. You know, if we only feel sorry for our sins every time and we know, well, God is not angry with us, um, <clears throat> we can live that way, but it's not the best way of living. And if I do something wrong and I go to somebody and I say, well, I'm sorry, or even if I don't say I'm sorry and they come and, they, and, and I just know they've got an attitude of forgiveness and they forgive me and we go on. I do the same thing again and they forgive me and we go on. Um, even if they forgive me until eternity, eventually those deeds are going to start to preach to me and tell me that I'm not good enough. And that the, and, and if I'm under the power of that person, in other words, say in the gospel sense, I'm under the power of the gospel. And I do believe that the gospel produces the life of God in me. And I don't see the life of God in me. And I continue to receive the forgiveness of God, forgiveness of God, forgiveness of God. Now I'm not living in condemnation because I'm forgiven. 
it's okay. You can, you can try and live that way, but it's not the highest form of living. <clears throat> it's not God's final plan for your life. God's plan for your life is not just to walk in forgiveness, but to walk in righteousness. To walk in His character and in His Spirit, and that by the Spirit we can kill the deeds of the flesh and then have good works manifesting in us. Hallelujah. We're going to just start to touch a little bit on good works and on what God does in us through the gospel. Amen. And that is just such a part of justification, such a part of righteousness that we can't get away from it. It is so good. It's included in the package. As easy as what it is to receive faith, that's how easy it is to walk in the power of God. So know this. The gospel of grace is a gospel that manifests the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So a father in the faith is somebody who in Christ Jesus has begotten somebody through the gospel. And then the gospel, um, to just define that and to make, get a definition of that, the gospel is the good message, the almost too good to be true message that then brings forth a new life as people hear it. And that is that we can see in Colossians chapter 1. <coughs> Let's just go there. Colossians 1 verse 6. It says, um, verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, wherefore you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So it says there's a hope that's laid up for us. That they heard of in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as in all the world and brings forth fruit. This gospel has come unto you as in all the world and brings forth fruit and does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. So, what it's talking about um, being born of God is when the gospel starts to bear fruit in you. That is being born of God. That is really being touched of God. And that's what Paul was talking about. He says, you were born of God. It means the life of God starts to live in you the day you believe. And you were begotten of God in Christ Jesus through the gospel that I preached to you, through the good news. Amen. That's a true father in the faith. Now, after Paul preached, there would come a lot of people and say, well, we heard about this little church there. Paul's not there anymore. They just believe in coming together, small setup type of thing. And that's it. Now, they came and said, well, let's go and instruct them deeper into the things of God. And then they would come with Judaism and all types of rules and regulations. Touch not, handle not, don't do this, don't do that, and all those type of things. And instruct the people deep into the things of God. But actually, they were misleading them. And this is what Paul said. He says, listen, I want to warn you. There are not many, many fathers, but a lot of instructors. And then he says, for, this, for though you have 10,000 instructors in the Lord... Yet you have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Yeah, Paul comes and says, listen, don't follow all these instructors, follow me. For you got saved by grace. Um, and listen to the way Paul speaks and what he tries to say. He says, listen, there was so much power in what I taught you, that it brought forth such a change in your life. That you were actually born of God. You were begotten of this gospel. You were made new. You received salvation. You received the life of God. You received the very Spirit of God through this gospel of grace. 
Amen. The words start to bear fruit in you. Free from the law, free from works. And now people come with works and laws and all those type of things. And, and then Paul says, be rather a follower of me. Now, listen to this. We therefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, which is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways. Now listen to the ways of Paul. Which be in Christ. So, the ways Paul was, the ways in which Paul dealt with marriage, dealt with finances, dealt with <clears throat> raising your children, everything was in Christ. In Christ based, not in the law based. Christ based. Amen. As I teach everywhere in every church. So, Paul says, listen, I also go from church to church. I also teach in churches. Um, but this is what I teach. And, and Timothy is going to bring into remembrance what I taught. Because there was other things that was taught and instructed, which was not uh, wholesome doctrine. Now, some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you, listen to this, if the Lord will, and I will know not the speech or the theory of them which are puffed up, but the power, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Amen. So, the word gets preached, but that right, correct word is power-packed, power-filled, it produces faith and good works. Amen. Hallelujah. So you don't even have to try to produce faith in your heart. As little as what you can try to believe, that's how little it is for you, how impossible it is for you to also live good works. It's all received by the word and the correct word. That's why Paul was saying, listen, there are many people coming with many theories, but what I preached to you produced something. And don't hear, when I say this, don't hear, well, now you've got to produce something when you hear. No, no. This word has got power to produce something. So I believe today, as you listen, you can expect something to happen in your heart. Amen. A change of something, a blessing of somehow, some power manifestation in your life through the word of God. And not your own willpower. Amen. God's a God of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of just theories. It's power manifestation. It manifests in every area of our life. It brings forth the power of God supernaturally. Don't settle for that thing in your life that you never can get rid of and just settle with, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Man, that's not true life. True life is, yes, I'm forgiven. Yes, even if I would commit again, I'm already forgiven. But true life is to see God living in you in that area and to see the true change that comes to your life. Because, man, once the Spirit of God's in you, you are frustrated and irritated with stuff in your life that you don't want to want it to be there. One day somebody said to me, Bertie, but why do you want to change? What law says you must change? Now, I don't, I don't want to change by a law. It's just some stuff that I do that I don't like. That's it. But the gospel brings forth that change. It's not because it's right or wrong. It's just I don't want it in my life. It's, it's as simple as that. If somebody struggles with a bad temper, you don't want to... Walk with that because you always feel ashamed after you had an outburst of wrath. You know, you, if you've got a problem with swearing and now you speak to people, now you swear and whatever, you go home, you always have to deal with what do they think about me now? You feel bad, you feel you've been a bad example, all of those type of things. Now, and even if it's not about what people think, there's just a certain thing that's in me that says, man, who God is is manifesting me. The law of life is written in our hearts and we want to live by that. And that manifests by the gospel of grace. So I'm not saying go and try and manifest the life of God. What I'm saying is this word of grace will also bring that manifestation 
soon in your life. And what you can expect is not just faith to come in your heart, an emotion of, I'm loved of God, but also a manifestation of the power of God coming to you. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Let's just pray together and then we're going to go over to worship and then I'm going to minister the word that God's laid upon my heart for today. Father, I thank you that every person that is listening to me, his heart's prepared for your gospel of grace. I thank you that as we've just heard of your good news um, and that your message is a message of power and that we can expect that power and that Paul was uh, looking at your grace and he knew that your word was really in an area where he saw the manifestation of that word. Thank you for that, my God, that your message of grace is a holy message, a powerful message that does not condemn people, but empower people. That's why we are just going to worship you today. Amen. Hallelujah, my Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, as I've just been listening to those words of that song, it just produces such a peace in our heart. Because just the gospel, as you listen to the words of that music, and it just comes to you peacefully, the gospel brings peace. And that's just the way it is. And as easy as what it is to experience peace while you listen to music like this, which is inspired of God, which um, comes with the message of grace in it, uh, that's how easy it is to have a holy life. That's how easy it is to live and walk in righteousness. That's how easy it is to have Christ living in you. Man, isn't that awesome, just to think of it. To know that God didn't just give us faith, but He also gave us His character and every godly attribute that there is about God is given to us so that we can be as He is today. Amen. That's what the Bible says in First, uh, first John chapter 4, I think it's verse 18. <clears throat> it says there, As He is in heaven, so are we in this world. Isn't that awesome? To know that we are like Him because He made a decision to make us just like Him. Now, um, I want to read today from Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It's a very well-known scripture. Uh, But I want to just place a little bit of an emphasis on the power of God. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, from there... If you want to just study the book of Romans, Paul goes on for about three chapters or two and a half chapters after that scripture explaining one statement. And that statement was um, the last part of verse 17 that says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the people never believed that the gospel or that the Bible, anything about God or the God of the Jews had anything to do with other nations than the Jewish nation. Now, I just want to make something clear to you you must know that the Jews thought that it was not available for the Gentiles and the Gentiles also thought that it wasn't available for them, especially in the areas where there was a lot of Jews because that was what the Gentiles has been taught. So Paul even had to come and write to Gentiles and say to them, listen, you've got access to the God of the Jews. You've got access now. Don't be disqualified by what they say but know that you are accepted in the Beloved and before you were, were not a nation, you were nothing. But now the wall of separation, which was the law, has been taken away and that you can now have part in the life of God. Hallelujah. 
Now we must realize, and I've said it so many times, and I want to just say it again, that the law has got a power. The power of the law is to produce or to show to you that you are a sinner. To bring the knowledge of sin. That is the power that the law has. Paul says when the commandment came, sin revived. So the revival that Paul had in his life that, is written, that he wrote about in, in Romans 7 is the revival of sin. Sin revived when he came under the law. So under the law, and this is what the Bible says, the power of sin is the law. So there is a power that works in our lives unto sin and that is through the law. Although the law is holy, the commandment is holy, when we are under that, it does not produce what we really want. And I just want to say this, maybe you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, and maybe you've got a law mentality and you are pro the law. I don't want you to switch this off right now. Just listen to this explanation, because I'm going to talk about the power of God in the gospel today and the manifestation of righteousness, the manifestation of glory. For um, That's why we read Romans 1.16, for it says... In the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation from sin. Salvation from poverty. Salvation from sickness. Salvation from um, identity crisis and a self-worth problem. Salvation from all of those things. To be saved and to be whole as God is whole. That is the power of the gospel. But the power of the law is not to... Um, make you holy, although it seems as if it is going to make you holy and produce that which is good. Remember when Adam and Eve um, ate from the tree in the garden, Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it looked as if it was good for food. It, it looked like, man, this is real food now. So many times when it comes to the law message, it looks like food. It looks like as if it is desirable to make one wise. But it will not make you wise. Through that, when they ate of that, they didn't find that it was good for food. They didn't find that it was desirable to make one wise. They found death. They found separation from the glory of God. That's what they found. They separated themselves. Not that God separated Himself, because His presence still came into the garden. He was still looking for Adam. He called for Adam. God's attitude, knowing that they have already sinned, was not to separate Himself from man but to give himself for man. And then God made a plan, slaughtered an animal as a sign of a sacrifice of, of Jesus to come and clothe them. So God is not there to expose your nakedness. He's not there to expose your sin. He's there to cover your sin. He's there to remove your sin. So know this, that the law will expose your nakedness. The law will expose your sins, but God's love will cover your sins. God's love will forgive your sins and give you righteousness and clothe you again with the very nature of God, with the character of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and in the next couple of weeks to come, we're going to talk about the manifested power of God in the life of a believer that believes that God justifies the ungodly. Man, hallelujah. Now, I don't want to put a great emphasis on that again today, but you can go and listen to the previous two Sundays where we spoke about God justifying the ungodly. And it is so, so powerful. Well, let's get into verse um, 17 again. It says, Therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
So if you're a just person today, I want to tell you this, you shall not live by the law, but you shall live by faith. And by faith you'll get a manifestation of the righteousness of God in your life, and that is called justification. That's why it says the just shall live by faith. So, we can be justified. Remember this, and if you forgot this in one of the previous Sundays, we said this, there's a difference between righteousness and justification. Righteousness is having all your sins forgiven, standing pure before God. Justification is when you, when God acts according to your righteousness towards you, when you are blessed according to your righteousness, that's justification. Just as if I have never sinned, blessed just as if I've never sinned. So, we are justified in our works. We are justified in our way of living. So, if you are righteous, it means that you know that your sins are forgiven, you've accepted the life of Jesus Christ. So, now you are righteous. You sit before God, you stand before God, you're righteous, you're sinless because your sins has been washed away. But it doesn't help that you say, well, um, I'm righteous now and that's enough for me. That's like having money in the bank. But justification is when you draw that money and make use of that money. Then you are justified. So, it is not just for a person who, whose sins has been paid for, who's been forgiven, who's received the Holy Spirit, who's received the being of God, to be under the bondage of sin. It's not just. It's unjust. So, if you are justified, you receive the manifestation of your righteousness. Now, this is what I think Paul tried to say here. He says, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for this gospel is going to manifest the righteousness of God. Now, manifested righteousness equal to justification. So, Paul said, listen, let's preach this good news. So, I want to say this to you. When you listen to the message of grace, don't expect only to be forgiven. It's like I said into the, in, in the introduction of this of, of today's broadcast. Don't just expect, well, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. If you just say, well, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, that's all, man, you will only experience forgiveness, but you'll never experience the abundance of life that there is in walking in obedience. You know, if I am, uh, if I never, if, if there's a certain thing that my wife wants me to do in the house and I never do it, and she's got an attitude of forgiveness towards me. She doesn't even, you know, lift an eyebrow. She just continues, walk in love. But I know that she's forgiving me, she's forgiving me, she's forgiving me. After a while, after a, <laughs> after a while, I'm going to believe that I'm not a good husband. Even if she forgives me. But what I would like to see is that I can also change in a certain area of my life where I can respond to the love that I receive. So, we want to experience that change. Not that we say, well, I'm not happy with myself, I'm always dissatisfied, I'm never satisfied. I'm all. Not that we do it from that perspective, but we do it from the perspective of, I want to respond to the love of God. And we do it from the perspective of the nature of God that indwells us. You know, once the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you, you will start to experience the emotions of God within you. You will start to experience emotion that says, man, I want to see people getting saved. Man, I want to see the sick being healed. Now, I want to see people hearing this gospel. I want to be a giver. I want to be somebody that lives like God. You know, or 
It will be more powerful than that. It will not just be, I want to be somebody. You will find the unction inside you that says, I am like that. Now, how frustrating, how frustrating must it be if you say, I am a giver. I love to give. But when it comes to giving, for instance, then you feel I can't do it. Or you feel, um, I am somebody that's got, uh, 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 when I speak, I don't swear and do all those things, but I've got a, a way of speaking in gentleness and love inside me because that's how I feel towards people. And when you get close to them, all of a sudden, if they do something that's not according to your law or standard of living, then you start to swear. How frustrating must that be? So if we live like that, man, then you're going to have a life full of frustration as a Christian. Now, if it should happen that you should sin and do something wrong, know that you've got an advocate before the Father and you don't have to walk in condemnation. Because it's the law that finds you guilty, but you are righteous in Jesus Christ and you're not under the law. But that's still not the best way of living. We want to see the life of God manifested in our life. And this I want you to know. When you hear this message of grace, don't just expect, well, I'm just going to believe this and this is a theory that I believe and this theory makes me happy. But it doesn't have the power to manifest the righteousness of God. Know this, that the gospel, the message of grace has got the power to manifest the righteousness of God. It's like Vessel and I, we spoke a little bit about uh, Joseph Prince and one of the DVDs he's got out on priesthood. And it's very good. Go to his website, buy it. It can bless you. And what he said, uh, Joseph said is, the high priest represented us because Jesus represents us. When he stood before the Father, he stood there on our behalf, representing us. And all the stones, the things, 12 stones that was in the breastplate carried um, by the high priest was, I mean, these stones was diamonds and sapphires and whatever. And as you would get closer to God, the glory of God will make the colors of these stones shine in the presence of God. And that's how we come before God. When you come before God, the glory of God that is inside you, or the beauty of God that is inside you, the righteousness of God that's inside you, when you come closer to love, God is love. As you come closer to love, as you come closer to who He really is, you'll find the righteousness in you shining. But apart from the presence of God, Apart from who God really is, now I want to define the presence of God because so many times we think the presence of God is just this uh, emotion, this feeling of the presence of God. The presence of God is more than just that feeling. It includes that and I don't want to belittle that. I do believe and, and do experience, I mean as you were worshipping now, I just experienced the presence of God. But why did I experience the presence of God? Because He indwells the praises of His people. Why, what does it mean to say He indwells the praise of His people? What is the praise of His people? The praise of His people is people speaking what God has done for us. God indwells when, you know, when we talk about what God has done for us, then you experience who He is. Because that is the manifestation of who He truly is. If I come and I say, you know, God forgave all the sins of mankind by dying for them upon the cross, so that God would never relate to man on the basis of his works or his sin, and that man can relate to God on the basis of the righteousness God gave to them freely. When I start to say things like that, things like, you know, God justifies ungodly people. Man, it is powerful. 
then you start to experience, oh, there's something in the air. It's because God indwells those good things uh, um, that one can say about Him. He's inside that. That's the Word of God. And when that Word is spoken, we experience the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now, when we do that, when, when we speak those wonderful things, when we listen to those wonderful things, I'm talking about unconditional love, mercy and grace, then the righteousness of God that's in us starts to be manifested. Called justification. Hallelujah. So I want you to know this. Don't expect just a word today. Or when you listen to anything on the website or any good news message. Don't expect, well... I'm just going to hear that I'm forgiven, I can continue, uh, and I'm going to continue in my bondage. No. Know this. That word includes good emotions. It includes a manifestation of who God is. So expect that. Amen. Expect that. And please don't say, oh, yeah, Bertie is taking up the law now because he's telling me I must live a holy life. I'm not telling you that you must live a holy life. What I'm telling you is it's impossible not to live a holy life and that you can have a holy life as easy as what you can have uh, peace or as easy as what you can have assurance of your salvation that if you should die, you will go to heaven. As easy as what it is to know, well, if I die today, I'll go to heaven. That's how easy it is to receive good works because it's included in the package. Amen. You know, so many times we think, well, now I've heard this message of grace, now I know I am forgiven, and because I'm forgiven, now I'm obligated to live holy to God. That's not the truth. That's the law. That's what Jesus talked about, called the leaven of the Pharisees. And, and the leaven of the Pharisees, the Bible says, is speaking of the teaching of the Pharisees. Now, we can't come and mix grace with the teaching of the Pharisees. Yes, grace. You are forgiven or oh, that's mercy, you are forgiven. Um, here's grace. You are impacted by God and by what He's done for you. And here's the law. So, now you must start to get your act together and start to obey the Scriptures in the Bible. That is now uh, the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. We can't have a doctrine like that. Let me tell you this. Um, and don't let the enemy rob you from this because there's such a... Because when we talk about grace and mercy, there's such a focus. And in the last um, couple of months, especially if you watch my website, I've placed such a focus on the forgiveness of God. In the teaching on grace, I've placed a great focus on the manifestation and the influence of God in your life. But I don't want you to listen to this and then get the idea of, this is only a message that says, I'm forgiven. It says you are forgiven to the point that you've received the very being of God and it includes good works. Hallelujah. Let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 2 and let's just see the simplicity of this. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Let's read from verse 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. The salvation and the faith, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So what does he say here? I don't want to lose that place now. Um, What does he say here? He says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are already, I want to use that word to explain this, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So when you are in Christ Jesus, when you are born of God, you are forgiven and the new birth is unto good works. So what it says is, you are going to do good works anyway, if you like it or not. That is part of the good news gospel, and if you truly understand it, it will be as easy as that. That's what it will, that's how easy it will be. It will be, I've been created unto this, God has before ordained that we should walk in good works which He has made for us, and then He has created us to easily fit into that good works. Amen. So, good works is a fruit of being born of God. It's not something you try to do after you are born of God. I want to say this again because I want you to understand this. Good works is not something you try to do after you have had the salvation experience. Good works is something you do because you are born of God. Hallelujah. Now, that's why Paul says we are not justified by our works. Because these good works are going to be there anyway because we are saved. It's as simple as that. You know, um, let's use it in a negative sense. Then you, you might understand it better. If I take a hammer and I use all my strength and I hit you right on the knee. You know, I don't have to give you five lessons in how to experience pain. It comes naturally. It comes with the impact. And that's how it works in the gospel. Good works is just as much part of your life as what pain would be part of your life when I hit your, your knee with a hammer. That's how much will be part of your life when you understand and believe the gospel. Amen. It's just part of you. It is going to be there. Now, listen. Good works is in the life of... a, uh, um, And it's supposed to manifest in the life of a born-again believer. But our justification is not by our good works. Even if we have the good works. Hallelujah. It is not... Our righteousness is not by our good works. And that's what he says there. He says, For by grace we are saved through faith. You are not being saved by your works. You are saved by the grace of God and then when you are saved you will have the good works but the good works has got nothing to do with your salvation. And then I want to just um, put an emphasis on the word salvation and explain that. That salvation means and when Paul speaks about salvation in the Bible uh, a lot of the time he refers to our immortal bodies. He refers to um, justification in our flesh physical human body. He's talking about the return of the Lord and being saved from death in the, in the physical body. So many times when Paul talks about justification, he talks about that. He talks about salvation, he talks about that. So even if you think, man, excuse me, even if you think, man, I'm going to um, get immortality by my hard work, 
listen, <laughs> you can't get immortality by eating right. You can't get the glorified body by trying to do good things for God. You can't get the glorified body by trying to press into the presence of God. You're never going to get it that way. As much as what good works is a gift, as much as what righteousness is a gift, as much as what justification is a fruit of that righteousness as a gift, that's how much your, your immortal glorified body, that's how much it's just a gift. It's a gift. It comes through faith. Hallelujah. In the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. As easy as that. So, uh, we are saved not by our works. We are saved by grace. So, even in the salvation, even in um, receiving our glorified immortal bodies, it's only going to be by what Jesus has done for us and it w- that is the fruit of what Jesus has done for us if we can believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. So, if we can know that, that everything, Jesus is the the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not the author and we're the finisher. That's a false doctrine. We can't say Jesus started all and now we must make everything complete in this world as people. No, no. Jesus is doing it all. And if we can simply believe what He's done for us, He will do it all. Amen. Hallelujah. So, now I'm talking about the futuristic type of things. I'm talking about the return of the Lord and, and what He's done for us there. Now, I don't want to get off the point there, but I just felt that I, I had to say that. Know this, that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant, covenants and promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who has made both one, that's Jews and Gentiles, and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments, ordained in ordinances. (laughs) The enmity that there was between people, the enmity that there was between the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, and between us and God, was this law. That's what it says there. Go and read it in Ephesians. And he came and he says, in his blood, he's made the two one. And the enmity has been removed. We've been made righteous with the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now, as I preach um, about the law and the fulfillment of the law and our righteousness today, I want you to expect and have your heart settled in this that I, I don't only expect well I'm going to be theoretically made righteous I'm expecting the forgiveness yes but also the manifestation and the deliverance of the things that kept me bound for so long what a pity if you in the message of grace but you're still bound by things 
You know, the, the gospel is not just a theory. The gospel is a word that manifests the power of God. So as I read this in, in Galatians, expect that manifestation. Now listen to this. It says, um, verse. let's read from verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now I want to just read that, and just as I read that, something jumped into my mind. It says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. In the sight of God, no man is justified by the law. But in the sight of people, many people might be justified through the law. You know, when I'm before God, I'm not justified by what I do, but before people, I am. And that happens in the world, that happens in the church. And don't mix the two. When you, in church, and... and, uh, and you live a holy life, you live a righteous life, then you will qualify to be an elder, you'll qualify to be a preacher. But before God, you don't qualify by good works. But before people, you do. It's the way it's going to work. It's going to work that way until Jesus comes, until the elements of this world is burnt up. And elements talk about the law. There are still laws in this world today. Believe it or not, even if Jesus fulfilled the law, there are still laws today all over this world. Man, you can't get into your car without, if you really want to live by the law, uh, without obeying ten laws. Do you know that, I don't know in, in what country you are, but in South Africa, before you get into the car, the law says you must check your tires, you must check for oil leaks, you must check um, if all the lights, the flickers, everything worked, the reverse lights, everything. Practically, Speaking, you, you can't get into your car and drive without somebody assisting you. Because how are you going to see if your brake lights work? Well, at least the, the more modern cars, they've got sensors inside that tell you if it does or not. But I mean, j- just think of that. Th- that's just the normal laws. But when Jesus turned every element in this world, elements talks about the basic laws by which things function, is going to be burnt up by grace. So we will not function by that anymore. There will be no law on this planet. Not one. There will be no traffic law. There will be no, there will be no law on how to treat anybody. But Christ will be everything in everybody. In The whole system will be saturated with the being of God. It will be like in the Garden of Eden in the beginning. Hallelujah. And much better. Amen. For Christ will be in us all. Uh, manifesting that way. That's what God has come to give to us. So, know that there's going to be some laws. And, and, and so many times, the law that, of justification before men is preached as if it is from God. No, that's man-made laws. Know this, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. But it might be in the sight of people. And don't think if it's in the sight of people, it's in the sight of God. Maybe there's some guy that preaches uh, um, you are justified by what you do and, uh, in the sight of God and you might think that's the word of God. It's not like that. That is his own word. But that a man is not justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith but the man that does them shall live by them or shall live in them. So the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith, and we are saved by faith. So if you're under the law, how are you going to be saved? Th- that's it. 
That's, that's what it says. We are saved by grace. The law is not our faith. The man that does them shall live in them. So if you, what he's saying there is, if you want to live by the law, you'll find your life in the law. And that's why many times, um, the people, and, and this is where this thing come in, and they, they obey certain laws, and then certain of the laws work for them. Then they say, because it works, it must be of God. The fact that something works doesn't mean it's of God. If you are in the law, you will live by the law. So there are people that's in the law and they find a certain extent of life by the law. Especially when it comes, sorry for that, that's a fly flying. You know, you always get that, what Kubus Renzberg calls the ministerial fly. It's always somewhere. Well, <laughs> um, when, you, when it comes to the law, especially with tithing and sowing and reaping, um, because it works, it's not a say it's of grace. Because you've applied principles and it worked, doesn't mean it's of God. You might say, well, Barry, now you've, you've overstepped the line. Well, man, <laughs> just hold your breath and let me explain this. You know, if there's a law that says, if you've got a law that says, I need to honor my father and mother before God can bless me. You better honor your father and mother, otherwise you are not going to open your heart for blessing. Because what happens is, you will say, well, before this fight is not sorted out between me and my parents, God's not going to bless me. You're not going to have faith to receive from God. You're going to withstand the blessing that comes from God. Because you will say, I don't qualify. And once you've done the thing that you think you need to do in, rest, in restoring that relationship between you and your parents, if you had a fight or something, then you will say, thank you God, that this thing is now sorted out then you will even say, well, I felt a burden lift. And you will feel it because you only, you only allowed that to be lifted once you've obeyed certain commandments. And then you say, God, now I'm ready to be blessed. And then you expect blessing. Then the blessing comes by you simply believing that it will come. But before you've done the right thing, you never had faith that you could be blessed. And that's what happens so many times with tithing and sowing and reaping. Yes, we give. Yes, we, uh, we tithe. Yes, we, we, we give to, to, uh, to the work of God. But the problem is, and this is the, a big thing in the church today, is that people say, well, you know, I've been living by this thing for 30 years and I've got this massive ministry or whatever and I've got it by these principles and I live by these principles. Now, it works for that person, for the Bible says here that he, is the, he that's in the law will live by the law. But in the sight of God, what he's done according to his own law is not what justifies him before God. He's been justified before God long before he's done any good thing for God. Hallelujah, that's what it says. Let's read it again. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. So if you do them, you'll find your life in them. If you do laws, then you'll find your life in the law if you do it. And now the greatest thing is, is that... Um, <laughs> and this is the whole confusion about the law. Let's get back to tithing and sowing and reaping again. When we get into that, um, people obey a law. But then they take and they say, we live by this law. 
It's a law that God has made. Like the one man said to me, Bertie, there's a law that says in, in, in um, I think it's in Genesis 8 or somewhere, in Genesis, that as long as what the earth remains, seed time and harvest remains. And, and that's, that's a law that God has placed there. We function by that law. Now, that's true if you want to live by that law. The Bible says those that want to live by the law, let's read it again here, um, and the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. So if you want to do that law, that law that says, as long as what the earth remains, then you'll find your life in that law. But I'm not going to find my life in that law. There is such a law. But I'm not going to find my life in that law. I'm going to find my life in the law of, the, the law of life in Christ Jesus. Which is, if I believe I'm justified before God. That's it. That's how I'm going to find my life, my prosperity, and everything that God gives towards this ministry and towards me. Amen. That's where I'm going to find my life. I'm not going to try and be justified by what I do. But in the sight of man, maybe in your own sight, especially in our own sight, we only experience justification so many times after we've obeyed certain laws. You obey those five laws, then you open your heart to receive by faith. Then you receive, then you don't say, I've received because of what Jesus done. Then you say, I've received because I've obeyed the commandment. Now that is, that is actually such a deception. Now, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, listen to verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So, the blessing of Abraham is going to come Unto the Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. That is righteousness. That is the Holy Spirit. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds unto it. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He said, not as to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So the promise that... Uh, uh, Abraham's children or seed will be blessed. Now, blessed in every sense of blessing has not been made to the Jews. Man, that's what it says there. We always thought, and so many people thought, that that was made to the nation Israel. That was not made to the nation Israel. That promise was to Abraham and to his seed, which was Jesus. Amen. And then to everybody who is then born of that seed. Because we are born of the incorruptible seed. The word of God. So, the promise of blessing was not made to all of Israel. Now, that's a shocker, but it's the truth. It was made to... I mean, I can understand why the Israelites wanted to... Uh, kill Paul. Imagine you go around and say things like this in the synagogue. You're looking for trouble in the temple. You're really, really looking for trouble. Let's read it again. It says, Brethren, I, sp- I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds thereunto. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not as to seeds as to many, but as of one. 
to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ the law, in Christ the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of no effect. Hallelujah. Now that's very, very important. It says here that the, the law came to confirm. Now listen to this. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed bef- before of God in Christ, the law, in other words, the covenant that was confirmed, the law, in Christ, the law. So the law is there to testify of the covenant of Jesus. That's what it's there supposed, that's what it's supposed to be. So when you read the law, it doesn't help you read it as commandments, because then you're not reading the law. Remember, there was a man, that died, and uh, a poor man, uh, uh, he died, or Lazarus, I think his name was Lazarus, and the rich man. And the beggar went into the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man was in Hades, or in hell. And here was the, the rich man, and he said, let, please send me, that I can go, be raised from the dead, and tell my brothers, that they would not come to this terrible place. Then Abraham said, they've got the law, and the prophets. And if they cannot be saved through the law and the prophets, they will neither be saved if somebody is raised from the dead. So I want to say this, the law has a greater power to see that somebody would get saved than a miracle of somebody being raised from the dead. So let's not put our focus on miracles to, to use a miracle to get somebody to be saved. Or so many times Christians just put such an emphasis on miracles because miracles is now what's going to get people to get saved. No, no. The law has got a greater power to get somebody saved. Now, why would God say that? You know, why, why would Jesus tell a, a, a thing like that? Because, man, He doesn't want us to be part of the law. Jesus was talking about the law correctly interpreted because the Bible says the law testifies of Jesus. So when you read the law correctly, you're not going to see commandments what you must do. You're going to see what Jesus has done for you. Amen. And if you read the law and you don't see that, you're not reading the law from the perspective in which God wants you to read the law. And this I say, that the, co- the, the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now listen to this. When God gave the, the promise to Abraham, He gave it to Abraham. He said to Abraham, move away. He made promises to Abraham. God decided, listen to this, God decided to bless Abraham while he served other gods. Man, get that into your mind. That's an awesome. God decided, God was looking at Abraham, serving other gods, a pagan, a heathen, a sinner. Then he said, I'm going to bless him. God decided that. Then he spoke to Abraham. Then he made a promise to Abraham while he was a, a heathen. A, a, you can't even, I don't know how to say it. A sinner, man. A, a far from God man. While it was that God made a promise, then he believed God. He believed that God could bless him a sinner. 
then his faith was counted for righteousness because he believed God could bless a sinner and could make his word true even towards a sinner. Man, that is awesome. You can go and read more of that in Romans 5. Or Romans 4. For if, Romans 4 verse 5, For if the uh, inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, listen to this. The law was added for transgression. Now, so many, so many times we think, you know, and, and, and I remember when I was in Sunday school, one of the few things I could remember of Sunday school, the guy said the law was added because of transgression, because people would have sinned so much, they would have wiped out the whole Jewish race, and then Jesus couldn't be born. Now, I don't think really uh, that it speaks about that. Um, what it says there, it was added for transgression, so that people could be, because the Bible says that where the law came, sin became exceeding, exceedingly sinful. So the law made sin more sinful. And the wonderful thing and why God gave a law is so that He could punish sin. For where there was no law, sin could not be imputed to somebody. You can go and read that in Romans. So if there wasn't a law, how can you be punished for your sins? So then God said, let this law be written down. Now another thing, and just for interest's sake, we said, it's a little bit off the point here, but I want you to know this. I said that the law was implemented by Adam long before the law was given to Moses. And I had people disagreeing with me concerning that, but I want you to know this. If you go and read Romans chapter 2, you will see that the Bible says that the heathen, the people that never knew of the law, had the law written in their hearts. And that law was written in the hearts of people long before the law was given to Moses. For long before it was given to Moses, you didn't steal somebody's wife. It was wrong. Why? By what law? By the law that was written in the hearts of people, which was implemented by Adam, and then that law was taken and then engraved on stones and given to Moses. That's it. So that it could be something concrete, something physical that God can say, look at this law. If you obey this law, you'll be blessed. And Jesus obeyed that law so that those who believe in Him could walk in His obedience and be blessed according not to their own obedience to the law, but according to the obedience of Jesus to the law. Hallelujah. And that man could become exceedingly sinful. Now I want to just say this. Jesus didn't just come to obey the Ten Commandments. He came to obey the law that was written in the hearts of people which was much higher than the Ten Commandments. Because He said, you shall not even look wrong. Long before there was a law that said, you're not supposed to lust. If you just think wrong of somebody else's wife or of somebody else's husband, you would know in your heart it's not right. Jesus came to fulfill a much higher law than just the Ten Commandments, but at least there was something physical that could be fulfilled so that punishment could come, so the law could be taken out of the way so that we could live by faith. Amen. And not the law. So, what was the purpose of the law? It was added for transgression. It was added so that sins could be punished and so that people could become sinful and so that everybody could become guilty before God and then Jesus could take the guilt of all the guilty upon Him. 
Amen. And then when he died for the guilt of the guilty, then their guilt has been paid for. And he obeyed the obedience of those who were guilty on their behalf by obeying the law. Amen. That's why the law was given. And if you can't see the law that way, you are not reading the law for what it truly says in the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I want to just say this. It came to my mind right now. There's so many times we, we don't look at the law as just the Ten Commandments, or we look at the law as just the Ten Commandments, but it, it's so much more complex than that. It's so interwoven in our minds so many times. You know, if I just take myself, let's, I'm going to just open my heart a little bit and just explain to you how it works. I like riding motorcycles. So, um, and I've got a ministry. Now, just by saying that, you can already hear what comes to my mind. I love riding motorcycles and I've got a ministry. Now, that is actually wrong to say it that way. From the beginning, it's a law that wants a person to say it that way. I would go, yesterday I went riding the motorcycle for most of the day. And now you come back home. And I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it with God. And I've made a lot of friends. What was so nice is the, uh, uh, we were a lot of bikers there together. And the one guy said, Bertie, you know, um, he said, well, why don't we start our own bikers church? We've got, we've got our own preacher here. You know, <laughs> it's awesome. And, and I know that, and, and I mean, just to be around those guys, they're wonderful people. It was so nice to just go riding motorcycles. Well, I've, I've enjoyed it. And now you come home afterwards, after you've enjoyed it, now you sit down and you talk to your wife or you sit here, you Billy studying the word, preparing for the message for today. And now it comes, yeah, you know, it cost about 200 rands fuel to do that. You had to buy tires for that motorbike, you know, and it was people that gave money to the ministry. And of course, now you take that money, you put it into a salary, and now you use from my salary, I buy this now, and now you feel guilty. Yeah, you know, that's not right. Now, those people gave the money to preach the gospel and look what you've been doing. But you know, that's exactly the way the Lord talks. But what, and what the Lord does not say, doesn't remind you of the person that's done something good for you. Because there's somebody that gives more than half of the income one, one person gives more than half the income of this ministry and he said, blow it on yourself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the law will never remind you of the good things that God has done for you. It will always remind you of the, um, of, of the wrong things you do. That, and that's not even wrong. You know, if I take that money, I can go and buy myself one of the best cars, pay it off every month. I can go and buy myself the newest Ducati, if I want. If I just, if, if I just, if that guy says, take, take that money, you don't even have to use the money, use it for yourself. It's enough to do that. I can go and do it. But I'm not doing that. Because the love in my heart says, let's use this money to preach the gospel, for I'm content with what I have. But the law will always get you to a place where you feel guilty. Even when God blesses you. It wants to make you feel guilty. But we're not going to feel guilty because we're going to have our minds renewed into what God has freely given to us. And you can have your own thing where you feel guilty. You go and get a movie or you, you go out and, and on a holiday. 
you know, I've, I've, I've seen people that are in the law and when it comes to finances, then when it comes to the work of God, they will only give a thousand rand a month or two thousand rand a month. But when they go on holiday, they will spend sixty thousand rand. I tell you now, they, th- those are people that are law-based. I know them. The guilt that there must be in their hearts is tremendous. And so many times we live like that. We live by these laws, by this condemnation, all those type of things. But we never come to a place where we can live who we are. That's what he says. The promise of blessing was made to Abraham and to his seed while Abraham was a sinner. So in the same way, I want to say this to you. That while you were a sinner, you already qualified to be blessed by the obedience of Christ on your behalf. So you can believe it and receive your peace. Amen. And enjoy your life. You know, so many times when we can just give, if we can just give over to the very nature of God, we will see all the things that is good in our lives. We will see the work of God in our lives. But the law is always there. I've, I've just seen it so many times. And that is what Paul says. He says, we war against powers and principalities. W- what does these powers and principalities want to do? It wants to remind you of the law. It wants to remind you of the, what I must do to be blessed. Have I done right or have I done wrong? Knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says, they that are mature, are skilled in the word of righteousness to the point where they can both discern good and evil, but not from the basis of the law, but from the basis of a new life living in them. Amen. Hallelujah. That is so good. You know, I found God, sometimes when it comes to blessing, um, He will bless us with stuff that we never expect. You know, that I can't be expecting um, you know, something for the ministry for instance, saying, you know, I want, I want a new computer, or I want this, or I want that. Now, no, God knows that need, and God's going to meet that need, and He does. But then, while I wait for that, He will come with, but because now they, maybe there's not enough money for that certain thing. But then He will come with something that's, that's got nothing to do with ministry. And there He'll bless me. There He will bless me. You know, like, He... <laughs> Somebody will bless me with, with something for my motorbike. Or something, somebody will bless me with, with a television or something like that. It's got nothing to do with the ministry thing, but it's a blessing that comes from God. And so many times I found God, through things like that, speak to me, telling me, listen, you are precious to me, sir. And that's God just speaking my love language. And that's how God speaks your love language. Now, so many times we think, you know, God's only going to bless things concerning His ministry and concerning only the holy things. No, no. God loves you. You are justified. You've been made righteous by no law. By no law. And we make laws for ourselves. We make laws for ourselves. We should get to a place where we experience the abundance of God's life in us. Where we can truly, in our minds, rest in the grace of God. Being free from the law. And in in myself, you know, and and I know there are people, I've, I've been speaking to people all the time, a lot of time about this. In the Bible, Paul says, his fight was with the flesh. His fight was getting into the flesh. In the flesh is getting under the law. 
always being with, uh, 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 around people who want to put him in the law, always just have this law thing wanting to get onto him all the time. That's the fight that we have as a Christian. To get free from that thing and to stay free from that thing. And that's what all the letters that Paul wrote was all about. It was about people that heard the law, false teachers came, uh, uh, or people that heard grace, got saved, false teachers came, preached the law unto them, then they got under the law, a consciousness of sin came, and they were condemned. And then they were frustrating the grace of God, making the cross of Jesus Christ of no effect. But we can be free. Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For in that it was written, Curse everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He said, Not unto seeds as unto many, but as unto one. Um, And to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance were by the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added for transgression. Verse 21. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You see... What he says there, if there was a law given that could give life, righteousness would have been by the law. So any law you think you must obey to get you blessed, you only deceived. It's true. It's true. And that I need to tell myself, that you need to tell you and yourself. And that's what we must do. That's the labor that we must labor. The work. The work of a Christian is to get his mind all the time in the message of grace. Tell yourself all the time that there's no law. There's no law that could produce life. When you don't get that thing you expect to get in the time you are supposed to get it, don't let something come and tell you, you know, I should have done this or I should have done that. When that voice come and say that, stand up, shout aloud, lift the roof, do whatever you need to do, but say these words, there's no law that can produce any life in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Man, that is the gospel. That's the good news. That is what sets people free. And one thing, one thing we must uh, settle in our lives is this whole acceptance issue. You know, know that you're accepted in the beloved, man. Amen. And that acceptance is so powerful that it will manifest the character, the nature, the blessings of God in your life. God didn't do this whole thing so it could be just a theory. He did it so that you could experience life. Hallelujah. That is the promise of God. Now, we are running out of time. Now, why I'm saying we're running out of time is that tape is full. Because we're also taping this onto a tape for the rebroadcast and the, um, the archive. Then a part of it is not going to be in the archive. So, I want to just keep to this hour that I've got to preach. It says here, let's read it again. Verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? Now, what it, what it actually saying there is not, is it against, it says, is it in competition? You know, can we now be blessed by the law and by, by uh, Abraham? No, no. If there was a law given, 
which could have given life, very righteous should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. So here, uh, Paul calls the law scripture. He says, but the scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Amen. Believe what? Believe that God justifies or blesses ungodly people because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Go and read Romans 4. What did, what did he say? It says, the faith that's counted for righteousness is the faith that says, I believe in the God that justifies the ungodly. So, here it says that righteousness is not by the law, but it is by believing. Believing what? Believing that God blesses ungodly people because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. And believing that blessing is so powerful that it makes us godly and gives us a new life. Amen. Gives us fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That is the life of God. Now we're going to end it right there. What an awesome message, even if I must say it myself. Because God spoke through me. I'm blessed by this. I'm encouraged by this. I know that when I walk out here, I don't walk out out of this studio just as a preacher that has preached the message. I walk out here as justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Made righteous, made holy, blessed of God, approved of God. A man full of the power of God that can walk in the holiness, righteousness of God, that can manifest good works. I've been created for good works. Good works comes naturally to me. That's who I am. I want to help people. I want to forgive people. That's who I am. I can't but get it out of my mind. Get it out of the way I think. It's who we are. Amen. Hallelujah. I would like to pray for you and after the prayer we're going to just end off. If you've got any sickness in your body, just place your hand where you don't feel so well, where you experience that pain and we're going to pray for you. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in this prayer there will be a part where you can do that as well. And um, after that we play out with Rebecca and James just a song of blessing over you. Father, thank you that I can just pray for people right now. I thank you that healing comes to every person that's got sickness in his body.